0: One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And look, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at a table in the Pharisee's house, called an alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind him at his feet weeping Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed five hundred denarii and the other fifty. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And they said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil; but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loves much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. He said to her. Your sins are forgiven. And those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives the sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on our... um. Lord God, we thank you that you speak to us, that you speak to us in your word of your grace and mercy, of your love for messed up people like us. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the way that Jesus interacts with people, and we pray that you would focus our eyes and our attention and our hearts on Christ, on who he is and how he relates to us, how we relate to him. Lord, you know where we're coming from tonight. Lord, you know my uh, lack of faith, uh, my frustrations, you know our doubts, you know our, uh, our tiredness, you know our sin and our guilt. And so, Lord, in all those things, we come to you as a God who cares and who is at work. And we pray that your spirit would be uh, powerful uh, tonight as you promised through your word uh, to show us your glory, to show us your goodness, uh, to change us, to transform us, that we might uh, serve you and that your kingdom uh, might grow, that you might be glorified. And we ask for your help tonight, we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Jesus uh, with people then and here uh, Jesus with uh, the sinner for this passage. Um, we're doing a little R.E.F. t-shirt designs. You've been seeing those scroll through. We'll scroll, scroll through them again so that you get to vote at the end. But, uh, but I've got to admit, there's a t-shirt that I love that I didn't put in there. I thought about <laughs> uploading a certain design for it, and, and I, I decided not to. But, but one of the favorite t-shirts that I've ever seen, is not a religious t-shirt, wasn't a Christian t-shirt. I think it was like for some rock band. But, but a friend of mine had it, who was a campus minister. Um, and uh, on the back or the front of it or whatever, it just had, just had the word sinner. And he was just walking around with a shirt that said Sinner on it. And I was like, that's awesome. I want that shirt. Um, but, but I thought about it. I was like, yeah, I'm not sure that I'm really going to upload that. I'm not sure how many votes that would get. Or if we did buy that shirt. Uh, or if we did, like, order those shirts, how many people would buy those. Uh, I mean, you might wear them in certain contexts. But if you, uh, you're like, you come to college and you go back home to mom and dad and you're wearing the shirt that says Sinner, and they're like, what's your escape of large like? What's this weird, you know, thing? Um, but, uh, but anyway, the woman in this passage, thats how she, she's not wearing a t-shirt that says sinner, but you see what the passage says, so that's all it tells us about her. She's a sinner. I told her name, I told her major, or where she's from, right? Uh, she doesn't speak at all in this passage. She interacts with Jesus. Uh, Jesus speaks to her, but she never says anything. We're simply told uh, in several times that she is a sinner. She's introduced as nameless. A woman of the city who was a sinner. Now, she didn't you know, wear a scarlet letter A around the city, but kind of the impression that you get is if she had, it wouldn't have made uh, much difference. That's already how uh, people looked at her. Uh, she's a, a woman of the city who was a sinner. I means she was publicly known as a really messed up, immoral person who was rebelling against God, who's kind of part of an outcast. Uh, within that uh, society. Her reputation is that she's immoral. Most likely, it doesn't say this in the passage, uh, but most likely, according to everyone's passage or, or comparing with other passages, most likely she's a prostitute. Um, she whored herself out for cash. That was, that was her living. That was her game. That was how, uh, that was how she made her life and lived it. Um, and so whether you would ever want to wear a, a T-shirt that just said sinner, um, we would never want to be this woman. Uh, We would never want to live her life uh, to see the looks that other people gave us, uh, to see the turned heads, to see the pointing, the laughing, uh, the cold shoulders, uh, to be scorned, to be rejected, to be used and then still condemned and have no way out. we never want to be that woman. I mean, some of us are, are working every effort that we have to make sure that we look good to everyone else, uh, that we seem respectable, that our, that our life is something that other people admire, and even things that we know about ourselves, uh, we want to hide anything that someone else might look down on. I don't want you to know my problems and how I'm messed up. I want to avoid your social condemnation or religious condemnation that would bring. We, we wouldn't want to be known as the sinner. Um, for some of you, maybe you're looking at that and going, well, all right, that's kind of immorality, that's a, that's a different, different virtues. that's some, not the same things that bother me. Maybe in a post-Christian society, there's different sins uh, that we look down on or have problems with. You wouldn't want to be known as the uh, narrow-minded hypocrite or who's uh, judgmental um, and intolerant and Maybe that's how many people see Christianity. That Christianity is something that's just there to enforce a certain moral code. To change society and to making sure that everyone kind of has their act together and does the right thing, and if they're not, but they're pushed down or excluded. Uh, exclude those who are who are misfits, who are off, who don't do the right thing. Um, well, Jesus comes to the center. You see his conversation in some senses with her. But really in this passage, there's... There's two conversations, or, or Jesus' conversation with two people he's interacting with. It's, it's Simon who's invited him into his house, and now we see Jesus interacting with Simon. Now, Simon was the furthest thing from being known as a sinner. He's, he's a Pharisee. He's, he's got a position, and he's got a religious position and authority. Uh, he has influence. This is the morally uh, upright, respectable person. He's, he's rich to be able to throw uh, this type of... Dinner party. He's influential, the person that people look up to and want to be like. This is, in our context, right, this, it's like maybe it's the leader of RUF or the leader of some student government, you know, body. Or, uh, I mean, it's a pastor person. Maybe it's like a campus minister. Um, uh, but, but we want, we wish that everybody looked up to us and wanted to be like us. We strive to be the person that other people look to. We have, a, we have a craving for other people to be saying, at least on the inside, I wish my life was like his. I wish my life was like hers. I want to be more like, more like that person. That's what we want people to be uh, saying about us. And Jesus is here with the sinner. He has come uh, for the sinner, <laughs> put that so we get that in our religious lingo. It means Jesus has come for really bad, really messed up, immoral people. That's who Jesus is here for. That's who He's speaking to. That's who He's loving. That's who He's seeking His grace to. He said it uh, a little bit earlier, Luke chapter uh, 5, uh, verse 32, as Jesus is hanging out with tax collectors and sinners, people are saying, what's, what's going on here? Jesus says, those who are well, have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, 532, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners, to repentance. Jesus hasn't come for the morally upright, upstanding person that everyone wants to be like. Or, Jesus has come for sinners, both types of sinners, so what we're going to do is just kind of follow along through the narrative of this passage. It's an amazing uh, story, as well uh, told for us. And what we see is, uh, is how, first of all, how this sinner or the woman is relating to Jesus, and then how Simon relates to Jesus. And we'll see how Jesus answers uh, answers Simon, and then how he answers uh, the the sinner. I'm going to put in here uh, the view that we have. Uh, and your, with your announcement sheet. Um, it's how we view Jesus and how Jesus uh, views us that we're looking at it. Uh, how we view Jesus and how Jesus views us. It's an amazing story if you, if you picture it. It's a narrative uh, being told. Or if you can imagine if you were there and you had seen it, what your reaction would have been like. I mean, the, the story begins with a, with a dinner party. Right there's a, there's a man who's invited Jesus over to his, his house, and Jesus has, for whatever reason, we might not have expected that he would have accepted the invitation to a Pharisee's house, but, he, but he's accepted this invitation essentially to a dinner party, right? Now, uh, if, if, like, Karen and I invited you over to our house, there'd be certain things you'd probably expect um, for, for a dinner party, right? First, of those things would be the, the chairs that we would most likely sit in, or, or even on the couch or something, right? Well, well here you read they're reclining. That uh, was just how they ate then. It's not a big deal. But they would have reclined like uh, kind of over on one side with their feet stretched out against the table. That was just kind of the pattern then with the servant uh, standing behind them. You also probably expect if, uh, uh, if uh, you came over to Karen and, and uh, in my house, um, you would expect that, that there would be like a room that we would be in. It was probably like closed off and other people weren't coming in and out. Uh, part of what these things would have been was it almost has a public nature to it. Uh, a rich person is in some ways just showing off and throwing this big uh, big dinner party, if you will, inviting the very important and influential people. And other people come and they're not really a part of the event, but they get to kind of see who's there and who's hobnobbing and, and what, kind of, uh, what kind of amazing course are they eating here and, and what's going on. So people would have been able to come in and out, kind of a courtyard, but for whatever reason, this uh, Pharisee has invited Jesus uh, to his dinner party, and Jesus has accepted that invitation. And it's here that we're introduced uh, to the woman. We see uh, two sides of how we view Jesus, first in this woman, and then in Simon. Uh, we're first introduced to this woman, uh, that she is coming to Jesus, Right? Uh, behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was her client at the table, came. She wants to be where Jesus is. Um, who's the last person that you would expect to come to RUF? Some that you know, some that you don't know. Who's the last person that you would expect to come to RUF? Or, or maybe who's the last person that you would invite? To come to RUF on a Thursday night, where we're open the Bible and talking about uh, sin and God's grace and, and redemption or whatever. Um, well, this woman is the last person that anyone expected to be coming to Jesus, coming to to be at this party at this Pharisee's house to see uh, Jesus. She's she's there, um, or maybe this. Uh, Give you a little little illustration or something. What if, what if there was a girl uh, at RUF who had slept with uh, five guys just over the last weekend? I mean, it was a long weekend, so she got in a lot of, uh, a lot of good loving, right? Uh, A girl who had slept with uh, with five guys over the weekend. I mean, Thursday night she's ready to hook up. She's she's looking for it. Friday night she's out and she was drunk and. She really didn't know. He woke up next morning and said who she was next to. She knew what really ended up happening. Uh, Saturday night, she was just out with her friends. She wasn't really intending to hook up and hit this cute guy, and he was paying attention to her. Um, you know, Monday after the game she was depressed, she needed something else to be kind of a pick me up right? And uh, all right, well, whatever. But what if there was a girl? He the five guys over the weekend, and everyone here knew that that's what had happened. Um the person we're expecting to be That's the person we're expecting to invite her, or how we're expecting them to, to react to things? The question is, why would that person ever come, right? Um, that's this woman. Why is this woman uh, coming to, to this place, coming to where Jesus is, to be with him? What's, what's her perspective there? Why is, she, uh, why is she coming? There's two things uh, that we see through the passage. Uh, that she, she wants to be close to Jesus. She wants to be with Jesus and close to him, and she wants to serve and adore and honor him. She wants to be close with him, and she, wants to, she wants to serve him. Um, this is where we see her, as the passage talks about it, uh, learning where Jesus is, bringing her gift, standing next to him, and then weeping, right? There would have been a number of people who would have heard about this event or heard even that Jesus was invited. Uh, She values that information and she wants to be there. If that's where Jesus is going to be, then she'll leave anything else aside and she will go there. And she's actually planned it out. She's gone and, and got her, uh, right, everyone has back in their dorm room a big alabaster flask of ointment, right, or, or perfume there that's kind of like all your savings, uh, hopefully for your girl. That's not really part of your livelihood, uh, as it might have been for her. But, I mean, she's cashing in at her stock, and she's bringing everything that she has uh, to Jesus to honor him, to bring a gift uh, to him. Uh, and she comes, as she enters there with her gift, she's standing at his feet. Uh, what she's doing is she's taking the place of a servant uh, to be there in his presence and do anything for her. And then we see her weeping, weeping, overwhelmed at her uh, to be able to be in his presence. This is what she's wanted. This is what makes uh, the emotions flow for her and the tears flow for her uh, because she wants to be able to serve Jesus. As the passage uh, describes it. It, it, it's written for you to picture it as it's happening. That she began to wet uh, his feet with her tears. Uh, we see how much... I mean she's, it, I've, I've cried a little bit a few times, you know, in my life. When I was, when I was younger, I don't cry anymore. Um, the amount of tears to flow out of someone to be able to wet his, his, his feet... Um, how much she is overwhelmed, whether in tears of repentance, knowing what she has done, or, or tears of joy, being overwhelmed to be in his presence, standing at the feet of, of the one who has brought good news uh, for her. But, but her tears are overflowing to the point where, his, where the water is running down onto his feet. And then she begins to wipe his feet with her hair Now. Uh, uh, I wear sandals most of the time. It's one of my favorite traditions about Florida, or kind of just my tradition. Right? Just things about Florida, you can wear sandals all through the year. And, and there's times I look down and, like, I don't want to touch my own feet.
1: Um, I don't want to get
0: near my feet. That would have been common there. Here's this woman uh, wiping his feet with her hair, um, taking taking the mud from what would have been like a, a, a normal place for it to be on someone's feet, but she considers it uh, more appropriate for, it to be, for the mud to be dr- dripping from her face, for her to be shamed than, there for, be, than for there to be anything unclean on, her, on Jesus. This is, and at this point, even in that society, for her to just let down her hair it would have been something that women just don't do. It would have been a disgrace at that point. But here she's, she'll do anything the serving of uh, her Lord, uh, taking this mud, her sacrificing humility, and putting it on her own face. And then she begins to kiss his feet. Uh, her adoration for him. Jesus says later in the passage, from the time she came in, she didn't stop kissing his feet. Uh, I always think of like a, uh, a young brother and sister sibling, you know, and like one sticks of their feet in the other's face It's like, uh, here, kiss my feet. And it's like, oh, no. Um, no one has brothers and sisters. So we need to, um, but to contrast that with her willingness, her love, her adoration for Jesus uh, to be serving him. She wants to be close to him. She wants to be serving him. Why is she there? and put it in a one-word answer, because she loved him. Because she has seen who he is and who he is for her. And she loves him because so she wants to be in his presence. She wants to honor him and do anything uh, for him uh, to anoint him uh, with this fragrant oil burning for pouring out that perfume to attract attention to him, the smell that would have uh, filled the area that they were in to see. This is the one who is is the anointed, who is the Christ. This is the one who we are to honor. This is the one who who I adore because he has come for someone like me. This is the one who is the Savior. This is the one who me with my messed up life, I can still come to be in his presence. And She loved him because she knew who he was. Because she knew that He was a Savior. That He was a Savior who had come for someone like her. And she knew how much she needed Him. And she knew His love for her being willing to give up well, there's what all she got, to understand at that point, I don't know, but that he would give up his entire self for her, that she might uh, be blessed with the glory and the promises of the gospel, that her life might be changed, that she might know God's love, God's joy, the peace that, it, that Christ speaks to her later. Um, she, she sees his love for her, for her, and she loves him. That's her view of Jesus as a savior that she needs. Let's see, different view of Jesus in the passage as well, right? It's, it's Simon who's invited Jesus over to his house for this party. He's, I mean, he's the important person in the story, right? Important person in this narrative. He's the one with the money, who provided the food and, and the influence here. And we see, we see a different view of Jesus in, in verse 39. Uh, you see that the woman's actions get his attention, right? Whether it's the smells of the perfume that he's focused on, uh, but he sees the situation very differently. Yeah, there's, uh there's certain things that you think, but you would never actually say, right? Uh, certain things that you think, but you would never actually say. A friend of mine used to just, like, say awkward things on purpose. you would be like, oh, did I say the loud part soft and the soft part loud again? My bad, you know, right? Uh, but there's certain things that you think that you would never say. And here we're given kind of a window into to Simon's thoughts. Um, things that you would never say because you sound prideful or you sound conceited. Um, don't judge me, I'll give you an example from the other day. Um, we were in we at BW threes and we were leaving uh, hanging out um, after guys kinda hanging out before a Bible study. Um, we were at BW threes and we we're leaving going back to uh, going back to the car. And uh, um, there was there was a, a very large woman getting out of her car with a with a with a very short a very revealing uh, dress on and, and I, I wish that I hadn't been looking in that direction. Um, and I'll just say that I would hate for her or anyone else really to have heard what I thought at that moment uh, about her or about me or, or whatever. Um, we've, we've got things that we think that we would never say out loud, or, or right, even your close friends, like, they'll tell you something, or, you know, girls, maybe your friend comes back, and she's brought some clothes, and she's looking at it and she's like, oh, what do you think of this, right, and you, you've got your opinion, but there's certain things that maybe you would never really say, um, you don't want someone to know what you actually think, well, right, okay, here we get kind of that window into what Simon thought, that he didn't, he didn't really say, or, or mean for anyone to know, but, but you hear what he says in verse 39, Um uh, Simon said to himself, to himself, if this man were a prophet, uh, he would have, I can't read, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. There you have it again, our only description is, she is a sinner. You get a window into his view about the situation, about the woman, about Jesus itself. Like, like this is happening at his party. He's horrified. Like, this kind of thing shouldn't be going on. If it wasn't for how Jesus was reacting to this, uh, I would expect that someone would have had people over there like, please escort this woman away. We, we're not going to give her any business here uh, right now. This is, this is not the place uh, for her to be. Uh, he disapproves of the whole thing. And you, you, can, you can hear the way that he judges this woman, right? Uh, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and, and what sort of woman this is for she's a sinner, right? I mean, he doesn't even mention the things that he knows about her, just what sort of woman this is that we should reject and be away from and scorn and look down on. And he would see her as someone rejected by God and so that he should reject and remove himself from as well, right? Um, we, don't ever, we don't ever think of other people that way. Christians are never judgmental or prideful in our morals and kind of looking at those other that girl that slept with five guys over the weekend, um, that never happened in our state anyway, uh, but you hear the way that he uh, that he looks at this woman, and you hear really, and more importantly, right? how he views Jesus. Uh, we see part of the way that some of us maybe uh, view uh, Jesus. If this man were a prophet, um, then he would have. Uh, this, is, this is fun, right? Like a the pastor has to like go take Greek classes and learn different grammar things. Uh, and you read it in the Greek, and it pretty much means the same thing in English, but you learn these old grammar things. And occasionally they're fun. Very rarely, but occasionally they're fun. And this is, there's a condition if you have an if-then statement. Some of you are going to love this. Some of you are like, just, just I'm pretend I'm not saying this. I shouldn't be saying this. Uh, a, an if-then statement's a conditional, and a certain types of conditionals are called contrary to fact-conditional. So the type of verb sentences means, Oh, that this means, <laughs> what he's saying is, there's no way that Jesus is a prophet. He doesn't know who this woman is. He doesn't know that she's unclean, that she's a sinner. He's allowing this to happen uh, because he doesn't know anything. All the things that people may have said about Jesus can't be true. It's contrary to the fact that I see before my own eyes. Jesus is nothing. Jesus is not a prophet. Maybe he's had some good things to say or done some amazing. He's not a prophet. He's not from God. He's not a Savior. He's not someone that I need. He's not someone that I should have invited here tonight. He's kind of messing up the whole deal that's going on here. Let's see why Simon views Jesus that way. He doesn't get who Jesus is. Um, He's not looking for a savior. He doesn't see that he has uh, any... He's looking for a king who's going to congratulate him. Right? He's looking for... For someone to come and put a crown on the righteous and say, great job, now you're part of my kingdom. You've done, you've done a good job representing me while I was gone. Um, is the woman feels Jesus has always understanding that Jesus is a Savior that she needs. And Simon doesn't see any of that at all. As the passage goes on, we see that Jesus is a prophet, like answering Simon's thought. Uh, and and more than a prophet, and the things that he goes on to say, we see more than just how we view Jesus, but how Jesus views us, uh, if you will. Um, right? There's there's all kind of different views of Jesus. Um, he's a great moral teacher. That he was a, a religious leader. That he's the savior of the world. Whatever different but, but what about how Jesus views us? What does Jesus not think of you? That's that's a scarier thought, right? What would what would Jesus think of you? What would Jesus, would Jesus like me? Or would he hate me? Or would Jesus approve of me? Or would he be rejecting me? Excluding me? Would he be proud of me? Would he be congratulating me? Would he be condemning me? Right? If, the, if Jesus came back tonight, what would he be saying to you? What, are you? what our view of Jesus might be, or what his view of us would be. But here in this passage, we hear what Jesus did say uh, to these people. When we get a view into what Jesus uh, says uh, to us. We hear him uh, answering uh, first generally uh, with a parable and then answering Simon and then answering uh, the woman. I mean, you have to love it when you read the passage here. Like, Simon's just spoken stuff to himself. He's right? thinking, this man, we're a prophet. There's no way this could be going on. And you, know, you ever have one of those moments when you're thinking about someone and you're, and you're saying something wrong and then they, they call you out? You can imagine Simon. He's sitting there thinking this, and he's like, "Simon, like, oh, yes, Lord, what is it?" You know, right there, uh, say it, teacher. Uh, what is it? Um, uh, it's like I'm sure glad Jesus doesn't know what I'm thinking. He's you know, probably thinking to himself uh, at that point. And then Jesus tells him how uh, this parable, uh, and it's a parable that applies to both Simon and the woman. And he uh, he, he tells the parable. Uh, this way, addressing things in the general, that, that as it were, in the story, um, there are two men or two people who are in debt to, to one money lender, one person who's owed the money. And they both owe this person money, and to put it in a, a very round, modern numbers, maybe one person owes uh, $50,000, and the other person owes $5,000, very round numbers. Um, but in the story, neither one can repay. It a bigger debt or the lower debt. Neither one of them could do anything to give that money back to the person that they owed. And as it happens in the story, now uh, both are pardoned. They're freed from their debt or their debt's forgiven. And the parable is teaching us a truth about sin against God and about forgiveness. That what's true is that all of us are debtors to God for our sins. We might think about it in varying amounts or degrees of the things that we have done, uh, but what's certainly true is that no one is able to repay their debt. In fact, we're constantly digging our hole deeper, even as we try to do good things to make up for some of the bad things we do, or because now we're really going to get our life together, uh, by the Bible says our, our righteous deeds are like filthy rags before God. And we, we have enough impure motives and wrong things that are going into it, And even the things that we think are great that we would offer up to God is offensive to Him. Uh, we, we're in debt to God, and we've got no way to be able to repay it, no way to cover up for the things that we've already done. But here in the story, uh, both of these two are forgiven. And Jesus places the emphasis on love. Which of them, he said it to Simon, which of them will love him more? And Simon shows his, his limited understanding, it's in the abstract only. The one. I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. He's like, shh, sure, this is the only thing Jesus was telling me. I hate for him to know about these other things, right? Um, one for whom I suppose he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus makes sure that in the abstract, he makes sure that Simon gets it. Yeah, that's right. That's what's going on here. Um, and he's making sure that he, we're getting to the point that forgiveness is what produces love. See that, Right. Forgiveness is what produces love and greater forgiveness produces greater love. Uh, that's why the one who, the larger debt was canceled, uh, loves more. And Jesus says, alright, you're getting that in the abstract. Now let's look at this interaction that we're having right now. Let's look at your actions and the woman's actions. And it's, it's a beautiful the way the scene is described that uh, Jesus turns to the woman and speaks to Right." Do you see uh, this woman? I'm going to honor her in front of her and contrast her uh, with your wrongs. And uh, it mentions three things, the water, uh, the kiss, and the oil, that they were uh, three basic obligations that every host should have shown to an honored guest. They would have uh, water for people to wash their feet and maybe a servant there to be able to, uh, to clean them that Simon didn't show uh, but that she and all her sacrifice and love, though it wasn't her obligation, had come uh, to show that to Jesus. And that day they would have greeted uh, their guests uh, with a kiss, respect. Now Simon didn't show that, customary respect. But this woman, from the time she came come in, had not stopped kissing his feet. Or. For a particularly worthy guest and honored guest, they would have brought out oil to anoint the person's head with oil, a refreshing and honoring thing that Simon didn't bother to worry about. And here the woman had brought her great possessions and and this uh, this fragrant oil to anoint Jesus' feet. Therefore, Jesus says, I tell you, her sins, again, which are many, are forgiven because she loved much, Jesus is bringing out the lesson for him: that great love uh, is the result of great forgiveness. Why did this woman act this way? Why did she love Jesus? Where is this coming from? Her great love is the result of great uh, forgiveness of what she has uh, seen that Christ has done for all, for uh, what Christ has done for her woman. Uh, it's not that her love in any sense had caused her to be forgiveness, but forgiveness results in love. So Jesus says to Simon, uh, though generally um, little forgiveness, uh, little love. He who uh, is forgiven little, loves little. My draw the question: Has Simon even loved a little at this point? Uh, but the great reversal here is pointing uh, is pointing to, to Simon's problem. It's pointing uh, to his uh, core issue. <laughs> Last year uh, of who he is, uh, that, that he hasn't recognized his own sin. He hasn't recognized that he had any need for a savior. He did not recognize that he had much that needed to be forgiven until he didn't have love for anyone who was claiming to be a savior, uh, or who Jesus was as a savior. It's not what he wanted. Not what he thought uh, that he needed. If someone doesn't recognize the depth of his sin. his need for forgiveness for a sinner, for a savior. That's right, here. You no haven't picked up on it already. Um, you certainly need by this point. Jesus, This is Jesus' conversation not with the one sinner, uh, but with sinners. Uh, the self-righteous uh, sinner like Simon and the public known as, uh, one known as a sinner uh, like the woman. And Jesus is even calling to Simon, showing Simon where he is wrong and where he needs Jesus. And his wrong is seen in the fact that he doesn't, Love Jesus doesn't recognize him. Um, I think oftentimes in the, in the Christian life, it's exactly, we're exactly like Simon. Uh, we see the Christian life as, as trying to not need Jesus. So the, like what we're supposed to do is try to not need Jesus to have died for us or Jesus to forgive us. Our life is good enough that we really don't need Jesus or we don't need him as much anymore. But to be a Christian is to realize that you need Jesus, that you haven't done it, that you're in debt and He is your only hope. Or to be growing as a Christian is to realize that you need Him more and more. And it gets frustrating because you grow in your faith and you become more like uh, Paul who is saying, I'm the worst of sinners. Uh, the, the, the doors have been opened to see what things, uh, how, how deep our anguish over our sin is and that it's not just kind of these certain actions that we don't do anymore, uh, but, but even our hearts, we, we don't want God to be involved. We don't want to need anything. We're prideful. Um, but we're, That it means growing to the point of understanding to say that I'm a sinner, that I'm, that I'm so messed up that I needed God himself to come down and, and live and die on a cross and be hung and crucified and condemned and rejected by God. I'm so bad that that is the only thing that would save me. And that is what God has done for me. This... It's my salvation. That's what we're called to. Jesus calls sinners to repent. He calls Simon as a sinner uh, to repent, as someone who needs Jesus. And we see as well how Jesus views the woman uh, as he turns and begins to speak uh, to her. How uh, we don't need to keep holding on to our sin or pretending. Or, or trying to look better to other people because we don't want people to know our sin, Jesus has come for sinners. And we see how Jesus uh, speaks to, to her as he's been looking at her. Oh, listen, the beauty of this, that he says to her, looking her in the eye, says to her, your sins are forgiven. Um, I don't know how to get to what this woman would have felt, that her tears have been flowing before Uh, this woman who is known as a sinner. That's what everyone hates her for or rejects her for or goes to her for. is the fact that she's a sinner. And that's her her shame and guilt for all of that. And Jesus says to her, Your sins are forgiven. I have taken it all. There's nothing for you to be guilty of anymore. There's nothing for you to be ashamed of anymore. Your sins even recognize us, which are many. I have come to you because your sins are many, that I would cover it for you. Uh, and now God has nothing against you. Uh, there, there's nothing holding you from God, but I have brought you into His very presence for you to be received as a child and love and provided for it. All the promise of the gospel, the joy, the peace, the security, uh, the love from God is yours and yours in abundance. And grace heaped up on top of grace. Because I have loved you. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus even guides it more and say. Where is that coming from? So that, so that she knows as well that it's not her great love or, um, or her devotion for him or her coming to him, whatever, but he directs it to faith, right? As uh, he said to her, your sins are forgiven, what happened? Everyone out there is like, whoa, like you can't, you can't say that. Only, only God can forgive sins, I said earlier, when Jesus healed, healed the paralytic. And, uh, or when Jesus said to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, they're like, only God can do that. Said, well, You may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Uh, Rise up and walk. The man does. Um, The the other cats, they don't have uh, faith. They're not looking at Jesus. Is that something that Jesus can do? Um, But Jesus says to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Looking to me has saved you because I have come for you and I have given myself for you. And now you have peace. And people can look at you and reject you or scorn you, but you have the fullness of God's law. And Simon the Pharisee, religious leader, has nothing to condemn you on. I have taken it. And so-and-so righteous person that you think of and think maybe you wish your life was more like him, I am your representative. You have my righteousness. You have peace. Go in peace, Jesus. Said. Salvation and its fullness, not for her. That's says. This is Jesus with people. This is Jesus with the sinners, uh, with both of the sinners uh, in this passage. Uh, whether Simon or the, or the woman, whether the morally upright sinner, the self-righteous, whether the immorally messed up, really bad person sinner. Only the question isn't whether or not you're a sinner, right? I mean, like we hide that one and pretend like we're not as bad of a sinner, or we don't want to admit to our sins. Scripture is all clear, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, this is Romans three twenty-three. All have sinned and fall short of the glory. It's not a question uh, if you're a sinner. But the good news is that being a sinner, Christ has come for you, to speak to you, to speak to everyone on this campus, to call out the hope of the gospel. So we're called uh, to bring that in. So do you recognize your sin? Do you recognize how, that your sins are many? Uh, and that you need much forgiveness? She would be like a woman responding with so much love because of so much that's been to you. Are you like Simon and think, "Well, what is that time? These things I'm still working on, but I'm not. I don't need Jesus that much. I'm glad to glad to have it to support me along the way." Um, We have sinned; our sins are many, Uh, and Jesus forgives more. It transforms everything. It transforms our relationship with God and with others, how we relate to the rest of campus, how with our life itself, and what it looks like. Whether you'd like a t-shirt that said sinner on it, or if you would never wear that at all, that's who we are. But that's who Jesus has come to love, and to save, and to give his life for. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for your love, because uh, we confess that we don't want to admit our wrongs, our mistakes, where we've missed the mark, uh, how we've sinned uh, against you and offended you. We don't want to admit it, uh, but that we see that your grace and your love goes out to those who are messed up. And Lord, your love and your faithfulness to us is greater than our faithfulness to ourselves or what we can achieve for ourselves. Uh, So Lord, we leave it behind. Uh, We pray that you would help us to leave it all behind, that we might come to you as sinners who need forgiveness. And Lord, that we might confess before you that we need much forgiveness. And we ask that you would work out in us a great love for you, for you are our Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Got one more song that we're gonna close with. Go ahead and stand. Come now, found of every blessing, every blessing.